What's up? Today is uh, Friday, December the 20th, 2019. Uh, this is the Kingsman Report Live podcast, the news everyone ignores. Um, I have a whole bunch of stuff I'm going to go over. As you can see, the uh, thumbnail says, the final act of the elites. So I have a whole bunch of news I'm going to go over tonight. Some of it I'll skim over. Some of it uh, I'll read all the way through until I get to the main article. You want to call in the numbers one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight, and you'll have to enter the meeting ID numbers five three four two three three four seven five eight, and I will screen those phone calls as well. So I'm gonna get situated here, and I will be right back. What's up, everybody? My name is Ryan. It's Kingsman Report Live Podcast. This is the news everyone ignores. Um, if you want to send me articles, you can send those to KingsmanReport2019 at gmail.com. And if you want to call in, the number is 1408-638-0968. And the meeting ID is 534-233-4758. And I will screen those phone calls as well. And as always, any of the articles that I'm about to read, um, you can find the links to those in the description underneath the video. First article, and, and I don't like to read through these a lot. Like I said, I don't like to give these guys recognition a lot, but I mention all the time um, that this stuff, I mean, it's been going on for a while. Um, but as we get closer to, um, I think, as we get closer to the next um, um, presidential race that... We're going to see more and more of this happen so they can push this whole uh, gun control agenda. 
So this uh, article is Two Dead, Two Hurt and Shooting at Municipal Building. Uh, this happened in North Carolina today. So as I always say, um, you know, pray for the individuals that are involved in this and, uh, and for the families of the people that were killed in this today. So. Texas deputies in dramatic video free trap driver from burning car. I can't play the video on this because I will definitely get a copyright strike. So um, if you go to the link in the description, you can click this right here. And uh, you can watch the video for yourself. It's pretty extreme. Uh, I'll read the article. Though. It says dramatic footage shows deputies cutting a man free from a car that went up in flames after crashing into a tree in Texas. Police in Texas released a dramatic video showing officers banding together to rescue a trapped driver before his car became engulfed in flames. The 20-year-old man's foot became stuck in his mangled vehicle after he fell asleep behind the wheel on the morning of December the 8th and crashed into a tree in Houston, the Harris County Constable's office said. You might have to break your leg, bro. I'm sorry, an officer has heard telling the driver as others are using extinguishers to stop a raging fire from consuming the vehicle. It says an officer is seen trying to free it uh, to little avail and with no help of a pry bar. And you can see here he screamed for his leg and it says he eventually is freed as the blaze enters the area of the driver's seat. Got him out just in time. So what happened was his pants were stuck. I cut his pants, and that's what freed his leg out, an officer says in the video, as the sounds of an ambulance can be heard in the background. I uh, watched the video to this, and it's very intense to watch. Uh, like I said, if you want to go and watch the video, you can. And also, this is a live podcast, so the uh, link to the podcast I will put in the description after the live stream. And you guys can check that out there. It's available on all platforms. Uh, where podcasts are available. And thank you for everyone that is subbed to the channel, and thank you for the people who listen to the podcast. I appreciate it. This article says, Third tunnel found under U.S.-Mexico border in Arizona town. So th what's crazy about this, and I know they they found a lot of these tunnels, and I know that they've covered a lot of these tunnels, but what's really crazy about this is they've had tunnels that go from there all the way up to the Midwest that they've said they've found that have tracks in them that are lit. Um, just insane. The way whoever is the architect of these things is, is very good at their job. So they, they found one recently. It says two Mexican nationals were arrested in Arizona this week after a third tunnel providing a hidden passageway underneath the U.S.-Mexico border was found in the town of Nogales this month, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement said in a statement on Thursday. ICE agents found the 82-foot-long, 8-foot-deep tunnel Tuesday while carrying out a search warrant at a home in Nogales, Arizona, the statement said. About 200 pounds of... Uh, narcotics is all I'm going to say there. I'm not going to... If you're watching this, you can. I highlighted the word there. i got to be careful about certain things I say. I'm not trying to promote any type of uh, drug abuse or drugs on my channel. I think it's uh, ridiculous, the people that do do that on their channel. It's ridiculous. Uh, so they found that, and two pounds of some more narcotics here. 
three pounds of some more narcotics and six and a half pounds of this lethal, very lethal narcotic that is popping up all over our country right now that's killing people left and right, were also found during the raid. And two Mexican nationals, Giovanni Robledo Delgado and Jesus Martinez Salgado, were arrested and charged with possession and conspiracy to distribute hard narcotics. They both appeared in U.S. Federal Court Wednesday. Yeah, you're going down for a while, fellas. The tunnel runs from the Arizona home to the entry of a sewage pipeline called the International Outfall Interceptor, IOI. The IOI transport millions of gallons of sewage water a day from the sister city of Nogales, one in Mexico, Sonora, and the other across the international boundary in Arizona, to the treatment plant in, in Rio Rico, Arizona, Fox 10 Phoenix reported. Uh, if you're watching your screen if you're listening on the podcast the links are also in the description of the podcast but um there is a huge hole in the ground here so showing it on the uh, live stream and there's a picture of all the uh, said narcotics tunnels can be used by mexican cartel members to transport narcotics across the border Migrants also have reportedly used tunnels to try to enter the U.S. illegally, surpassing designated ports of entry. Officials believe the tunnels had been there for at least a few months. They carried out a search warrant on some of the home after receiving an anonymous tip about drug smuggling through the IOI, Phoenix KTV, KTVK TV reported. It was the third discovered in Nogales during December. On December 4th, U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents in Mexican uh, police found an incomplete tunnel under the streets during a routine sweep of a stormwater drain system that serves the sister cities of Nogales on both sides of the border, Fox 10 reported. It ran about 10 feet underground for about 20 feet into the U.S. from the Mexican side of the border. It was about 3 feet wide and 4 feet tall. Agents found its entrance in the floor, in the floor of an existing drainage tunnel, the opening blocked off by dirt and a mixture of styrofoam and concrete. No people or drugs were found inside. Some 50 yards away, a second was found on December the 10th. U.S. Border Patrol agents apprehended four migrants after spotting them on surveillance camera attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border, according to Fox 10. While re retracing the migrants' journey, agents located the tunnel about five feet north of the international boundary fence. Mexican police later located the entrance of the tunnel on the other side of the fence. It stretched about 10 feet below ground. Can't go over, go under. That's exactly what they're doing. Also, if you um, if you ever tune into this, watch this live, it's Sunday through Friday at 7 p.m. If you subscribe to the channel live, it pops up on the uh, screen, in the middle of the screen. It'll pop up in case I miss it. And then at the end, I'll read who subscribes to the channel afterwards. So this is a little bit of health news. I have one on this, and then I have one on artificial sweeteners, also a.k.a. aspartame, which uh, it's not necessarily, I mean, caffeine is addictive, but the aspartame portion of that is also addictive, and it was outlawed by the FDA, and then um, they kind of said it was okay, and then they put it back inside the, some of the stuff that we drink in these um, artificial sweeteners, and people just drink it up, so... They're more addicted to the, the poison that's deteriorating the cartilage in their body, causing um, um, false uh, symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis, all types of things. 
<laughs> so that article is after this one, but this is half of America will be obese by 2030. Here's why that matters for society. After mapping out the last two decades of public health records, a team of scientists made a grim prediction. Half of the adults in, in America will be obese by 2030, with half of those people failing the, quote, severely obese category, or falling in the severely obese category. To get it out of the way, it's a tired joke that Americans are too heavy. The medical community is also plagued by a disturbing trend in which doctors obsess over their patients' weight rather than offering any real medical advice or care. Um, change your diet. So that's the, an exercise. That's the best advice I can give you. Um, and if you're watching this video, you'll probably say I look gone, but I don't eat pork. I don't eat uh, a lot of red meat. I mainly eat poultry and vegetables and fruit. I don't, um, and I don't overeat. So I probably undereat, but I don't overeat. Um, I've weighed, I think my max that I weighed was of 190 pounds and I didn't like it. Um, so just change your diet and exercise and uh, you're going to have to have, you know, willpower and, and um, self-control basically is what it is. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less alarming just how rapidly America has become obese, nor does it erase the extra strain that is increasingly obese population will place on the already faltering American healthcare system. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, obesity-related health care costs amounts uh, to billions of dollars every year. The new CDC-conducted study published uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine found that all but two states reported at least 35% of their populations were obese this year. Ten and especially 20 years ago, those numbers were drastically lower. The new research identified low income as the largest predictors of obesity, a troubling sign in that existing public initiatives are leaving behind groups of people who are already among society's most vulnerable. The solutions that researchers identified reveal just how pervasive the a problem has become. In addition, the same old suggestion, suggestions, including increased nutrition education, the study identified things like increased access to areas where it is safe to walk or exercise, and support for people to get up and move during the day. Given how many Americans live sedentary uh, lifestyles necessitated by office work and lengthening commutes, it's clear that this is a systematic problem facing the entire country, and it's one that will require major changes to effectively address. Hang on just a second. So the like I said before, before I started buffering, uh, artificial sweeteners linked to weight gain and type two diabetes. The study says artificial sweeteners may lead people to put on weight and put them at risk of type two diabetes, according to researchers. The team arrived at this conclusion after reviewing existing evidence from the past decade on what are also known as non-nutritional. Nutritive sweeteners, or sorry, NNSS. Such products earn their name from the fact that they don't contain any vitamins or minerals, meaning they have no nutritional benefit and may contain zero or low levels of calories. Over the past three decades, there has been a rise 
in the use of artificial sweeteners, according to the researchers. Between the year 2000 and 2012, the use among children rose by 200% and 54% among adults, and with the market expected to grow to $2.2 billion by 2020. The American Heart Association says NNSs are, quote, one way to limit calories and achieve or maintain a healthy weight. When used to replace food and drinks with added sugars, it can help people with diabetes manage blood glucose levels. For example, swapping a full calorie soda with a diet soda is one way of not increasing blood glucose levels while satisfying a sweet tooth, the health organization states. Lead author Professor Peter Clifton, an expert in obesity, nutrition, and diabetes at the University of South Australia, told Newsweek, the team found a link between the sweeteners and weight gain and type 2 diabetes. So I'm not going to read this in its entirety. Um, if you guys want to go and check that out, the link's in the description. But my biggest deal with it is um, refined sugars, period. Cut it out of your system because it causes a lot more issues um, than just the diabetes and the weight gain. You're talking about uh, refined sugars. Just do, like I said yesterday, research the endocrine system. Go to Dr. Group. Find out who Dr. Group is. Uh, re research the endocrine system, and he goes into all the stuff that is in our food that poisons our body, whether it's genetically modified organisms, whether it's BPAs in the plastic, whether it's uh, refined sugars, whether it's artificial sweeteners, uh, or... Uh, uh, fluoridated water. I mean, there's all types of things in our food. Our our supply is clearly being poisoned to get us lazy, overweight, addicted to prescriptions, and um, docile so that we won't fight back whenever this takeover happens. And um, I think a lot of us are just too, um, too preoccupied with our surroundings, you know, entertainment, uh, no one's reading books anymore, everyone's glued to their cell phones, everybody's just oblivious to what's going on around them, and this is exactly right where they want you to be, divided amongst each other, whether it be through politics, class, race, or religion, and everyone is just asleep right now. And a lot of us are out here trying to tell everybody to wake up, it's not about all that, we're human beings at the end of the day, and... Uh, we need to get past the, the bullcrap and work together. This article uh, came out today. It says, Canada police prepared to shoot indigenous activist document show. This is the type of crap I can't stand right here. It says, Canadian police were prepared to shoot indigenous land defenders blockading construction of a natural gas pipeline in northern British Columbia, according to a document seen by The Guardian. Notes from the strategy session for a militarized raid on ancestral lands of, of the wet uh, Suet Nation show the commanders of Canada's National Police Force, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, or the RCMP, argued that, quote, lethal overwatch is required, a term for deploying snipers. The RCMP commanders also instructed officers to, quote, use, a much use as much violence towards the gate as you want ahead of the operation to remove a, a roadblock which had been erected by wet Suedan people to control access to their territories and stop construction of a proposed 670-kilometer, 416-mile coastal gas link pipeline. In a separate document, an RCMP officer states 
that arrest would be necessary for, quote, sterilizing the site. The Wet'suwet'en people and their supporters set up, um, I apologize how I mispronounce this, Gitmanen checkpoint in December 2018 to block construction of a pipeline through the region of mountains and pine forest 750 miles north of Vancouver. On, Jan on the 7th of January, RCMP officers dressed in military green fatigues and armed with assault rifles descended on the checkpoint, dismantling the gate and arresting 14 people. So, who are these indigenous people? So, the checkpoint lies 22 kilometers east of the camp operated by a house uh, group of the indigenous people called the uh, Unest Oten, which has been at the center of the struggle against the pipeline. The camp is one of several instances where indigenous people in British Columbia have re-inhabited re ancestral territory that falls outside uh, the demarcated reservations in what they referred to as a reoccupation. As a spokesperson, Freda Hewson said that the RCMP's militarized posture during the raid was consistent with a long history of colonial violence. In our experience since the first contact, RCMP have been created uh, by the federal government to dispossess indigenous peoples of their land. She said, they have proven that their harassment of my people to support coastal gas link in invading our territories. Police records seen by the Guardian include transcripts from the police strategy sessions, uh, reports filed after the raid, and audio and video files. One document noted that the indigenous people possessed firearms for hunting and sustenance, but police intelligence indicated that there was no single threat indicating that land defenders will use firearms. An RCMP spokesperson declined to comment on the specific content of the document, saying they were merely carrying out a December 2018 injunction against people who interfere with the pipeline. So if you want to read more about this, uh, here's a picture down here at the bottom. It says, uh, on the podcast, it says, Camp supporters wait for police at the blockade near Houston, British Columbia on the 7th of January, and there's a picture of them there. If you want to read more into the article or research it for yourself, um, the link is in the description below. Uh, it's in the links and also in the description of the podcast. So this is insane. So Australia has been basically burning to the ground for a while now, and now um, this article came out. It says water thieves steal eighty thousand gallons in Australia as our Mad Max style future becomes reality. So I know, um, I know, I think uh, Canada sent a bunch of firemen over there um, and uh, while they're dealing with this, but Australia is absolutely burning the ground right now. All right, the article goes on to say, a farmer drives a tractor as he uses a hose to put out a fire burning in his paddock and near homes on the outskirts of a town of uh, Billpin on December 19, 2019 in Sydney, Australia. So, thieves stole roughly 80,000 gallons of water in the region of Australia that's suffering from one of the worst droughts in the history of the country. And with record-breaking heat and brush fires getting even larger, it feels like Australia is living in the future. That future, unfortunately, looks a lot like Mad Max. 
Police in New South Wales, Australia's most populous state reported that a farmer in a small town of Evans Plain had about 80,000 gallons of water, or 300,000 liters, stolen from his property, according to the Australian newspaper. The farmer only noticed the, the theft from two enormous storage tanks on Sunday, thought it could have happened at any time between December 9th and, two, and December 15th, according to authorities. It's becoming more and more common to see thieves targeting water storage facilities as climate change continues to devastate Australia as it heads into summer. Just a couple weeks ago, thieves in a small town of uh, Merlinbaugh stole about 6,600 gallons of water, enough to fill about six or seven fire trucks, according to local authorities. And it all feels like something out of a sci-fi dystopia where battles over water are fought to sustain a meager existence. Australia is reeling from extreme heat this week, breaking temperature records for the past three days and reaching an average maximum temperature of 105.6 degrees Fahrenheit on Tuesday and 107.4 degrees Fahrenheit on Wednesday and 105.2 degrees Fahrenheit on Thursday. We're smashing the extremes by effectively a degree relatively to other cases because that's how much the Australian temperatures have warmed, climate scientist David Carroll told the ABC on Friday. Uh, quote, climate change has contributed between 1 degree Celsius and 1.5 Celsius on top of the natural variability. And it's not just the heat. Australia is attempting to get its large brush fires or bush fires under control some of which might be the largest wildfires in modern history. Megafire at the Gospers Mountain, just outside of Sydney, has burned roughly 7.4 million acres over the past two months and has blanketed the city in smoke. Australia has been left scarred by heat and flames and choked by smoke. Australians are sadly at least nine people have died from the Australian bushfires this season with two volunteer firefighters in New South Wales losing their lives this week, and a citizen of South Australia dying in a vehicle crash yesterday while trying to escape a fire. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, is missing in action while the country experiences a climate crisis. Uh, Morrison's office has denied rumors that he, he's vacationing in Hawaii, but photos on social media prove otherwise. Under Australian law, another politician is appointed as acting prime minister when the real prime minister is out of the country. And Morrison's stand-in isn't doing much better to take climate change seriously. If you want to read more into this article, links in the description. Um, I can't stand thieves. And these people are going through a lot right now. And I, I don't think that um, this is the opportune time to be screwing people out of water. So I, I read in a... A prior video, I just mentioned an article that Russia was deploying S-400s along the uh, coastal borders near the Arctic. And now this article has come out. It says, you should not get closer to our borders. Russia deploys hypersonic missile fighters to the Arctic. And what looks like that they're going to go for a grab here. It says, Russia has deployed hypersonic missile fighters along the Arctic and Pacific coast to protect its maritime borders. And it says, uh, Mikoyan MiG-31 supersonic acceptor jets have been outfitted with the KH-47M2 dagger, 
a nuclear-capable air-launched ballistic missile and deployed to the Kola Peninsula in the uh, Kamchatka regions of the country, a powerful move that will send shockwaves to Washington as Russia is now prepared to take control of the Arctic. The air-launched hypersonic missiles is one of the most advanced weapons in the world. Even sophisticated air defense systems have difficulty defending against the Mach 10 to Mach 12 speed. So I kind of blazed over here, but if you watch the video later, you can see the boxes here where the MiG-31 deployment is, and you can see down here in the other box where the MiG-31 deployment is. Says the range of the missile is about 1,200 miles and could extend Russia's air defense capabilities not just throughout the Arctic region but also could challenge the U.S. in the Pacific. Russia's ASF MiG-31 aircraft crew conducted combat training launch of the hypersonic missiles, uh, high-precision aviation missile system in the assigned area. Launch was conducted normal. The missile hit the target at a training ground. With the deployment of the hypersonic missile fighters. One fleet in the Arctic and another in the Pacific, Russia will be able to deploy a rapid response countermeasure or even defensive maneuver across the Arctic and the North Pacific. Test pilot Colonel Igor Malikov told Izvestia that, quote, it must be clearly stated, you should not get closer to our borders and make aggressive plans. The MiG-31 with the, quote, dagger is a defensive weapon. In the event of an attack on Russia, it can hit the air base from which enemy planes take off in the direction of our territories, as well as ships and marine structures. And as you know, as of um, this week, there was a um, a is a Russian ship out on our east coast that was acting kind of erratically. Um, so. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now with Russia, China, Turkey, all these people staging. And this is just another way that they're doing it. Um, so whatever they're preparing for, um, he's got ground defenses up and he's also got air defenses staged. It says, as we explained before, the Arctic is becoming highly contested region for control between the U.S., Russia, and China, like I just said. That's because more than $35 trillion worth of natural resources, resources could be hiding underneath the ocean floor. Now there are several points of intersection of the interests of number of powers, Malakoff told Investia. There, are no question, there were questions who would develop minerals on the ocean shelves. Moreover, not only the countries of the region, but also the US, uh, USA participate in these discussions. And MIG... Uh, Regiments with daggers are going to be placed at key points in the region. The battle for the Arctic has already begun, and Russia could be in the lead to take control of the Arctic, considering its latest deployment of military hardware to the region. Like I said, S-400s there, um, and now they've got the dagger staged. So we're going to see what's, what's going to pop off, but... Uh, a lot of staging going on and, and like I've said before in a prior video this isn't this has been going on it's not something that's all of a sudden within the past couple of months this has been going on it's just lamestream media won't talk about any of this stuff um, 
So uh, they put the articles out here. Well, a lot of, uh, I guess, underground news sources are putting these articles out, and then there's guys like us that are kind of reading this. You can find it if you look for it. This article I thought was crazy. The army, the army wants to generate electricity inside soldiers' boots. I don't think this article is very long. No, I can run through this real quick. The army wants to generate electricity inside soldiers' boots. The U.S. Army has some wacky ideas to, to keep soldiers' futuristic gear working, even when they're far away from the nearest outlet. To keep their gear juiced up, researchers at the Army's C5 ISR Center patent a bizarre new portal generator that can fit inside a soldier's boot, Army Times reports. Every time a soldier takes a step, their foot triggers a small mechanism that creates a small electrical charge not big enough to solve the energy crisis, but perhaps enough to keep personal electronics running. The weird power boots are just the first step in the military's plan to turn soldiers into walking battery packs per Army Times. Army researchers are also trying to build kinetic energy harvesters in, into high-tech knee braces and backpacks as well. But some of these devices are actually making soldiers' lives worse. For instance, the backpack only harvested energy when it was <clears throat> loose-fitting and able to bounce around, making it cumbersome to carry. And I also read the article on the, uh, if you haven't looked that out, uh, the Pentagon's plan to create cyborg soldiers, and that's by 2050. So it's in one of my, I'll, I'll, I'll link it to this video. Uh, whenever it's uploaded. <coughs> Excuse me. Apple secret satellites can mean trouble for ISPs. It says it's no surprise that Apple has secret teams working on secret projects over the years, and we've heard Apple cars, Apple AR headsets, you name it. Now a Bloomberg report says the latest, quote, secret teams working on satellites that could potentially beam data to devices sometime in the next five years. According to Bloomberg, Apple has hired roughly a dozen engineers with experience in aerospace, satellite, and antenna design. Bloomberg goes on to assert that Apple has also begun hiring both software and hardware experts for the secret satellite team and is looking for more engineers who know how to design components for communications tech. At the moment, the team is purportedly led by Michael Trela and John Fenwick, both former aerospace engineers who worked for Google before leaving for Apple in 2017. His Apple CEO, Tim Cook, has also reportedly marked the project as a high priority, even though it's still in the early stages. That said, it's not clear if Apple is aiming to build its own satellite constellation in space or if it'd be a network that takes advantage of existing satellites via on-ground equipment. That's what the satellite ne network could be used for. It likely has something to do with beaming data directly to users, possibly circumventing traditional internet service providers. It also possible Apple could be envisioning a type of mesh network for devices that don't rely on existing network infrastructure. In any case, it wouldn't be the first tech giant to look up to the stars and go, hmm, maybe we should stick more satellites up there. Amazon has a project, uh, Upper, I guess, Cooper, Upper, an amb ambitious plan to launch more than 3,200 satellites in the low orbit as 
a means of supplying internet service to 95% of the world. Meanwhile, Elon Musk's SpaceX also has plans to launch satellite into space via its Starlink project. 60 have already been launched, and the FCC has already approved the launch of additional 11,943. And he's also getting complaints from astronomers because they're reflective in their lenses of the telescopes and they're blocking their view of constellations. Goes on to say, while we don't know exactly what Apple's plans to use satellites for, the idea it could use it could use it to complete the internet service providers is wild. When Apple announced it was pivoting its services back in March, it was fair to say something as infrastructurally complex as a satellite network network wasn't at the forefront of people's minds. However, app-based services like Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus were always going to complete compete in heavy, heavily crowded markets and are unlikely to rake in as much cash as hardware sells, sidestepping major carriers that everyone already hates. Uh, that would be potentially huge. Again, the project is in its very early stages, and it's possible Apple could pull the plug before, see, before we see anything. But ISPs should be wary. After all, whatever Apple does, the loyal fan base tends to follow. So if getting a um, CT scan or x-ray, you know, exposed to any type of radiation wasn't bad enough, MIT engineers create laser ultrasounds that can look inside your body without you even feeling it. So imagine if they have this type of technology. I'm sure our government, our military, DARPA, somebody has the type of technology to where they can basically scan anybody to see if they're carrying any kind of concealed weapons. I'm sure they can use the same technology for that as, as um, similar to this technology that MIT engineers have created. It says, MIT engin our engineers at MIT have come up with a new approach to medical imaging that is both non-invasive and hands-off the patient. Using lasers, they can peer beneath the surface of the skin without any physical contact required improving upon the limitations of equipment like ultrasound machines. There is a myriad of techniques and machines that physicians and medical professionals can use to look inside the human body before having, it, having to resort to invasive exploratory surgery, but they each have their pros and cons. Repeated exposure to x-ray machines can result in unhealthy, uh, I guess I'm supposed to say doses of radiation, not does of radiation, um, while computed Tomography or CT scans require patients to lie motionless in a claustrophobic, loud, and generally unpleasant metal tube. Ultrasound is one of the simplest approaches, but even it has its limitations as a sound wave emitting wand needs to be physically pressed against the skin for it to work. That can sometimes rule it out as an option, such as with patients recovering from severe burns. So it goes on to say in a paper published yesterday in the journal light science and applications the engineers at mit explain how they developed a system that mimics the capabilities of an ultrasound machine by using lasers that at least in its current form work from a distance as far as half a meter away from a patient lasers can be innoxious as a pointer uh, that projects a red dot on the side on a slideshow or as dangerous as a tattoo removal gun that can fry a digital camera MIT researchers, 
researchers settled on a wavelength of 1,550 nanometers, which is readily absorbed by water, but is also safe for human skin and eyes. If you ever watch a science fiction movie, you might think you know what lasers sound like. Since the skin is mostly made up of water, when the lasers is targeted at the patient, it's absorbed, it's absorbed and gently heats up which in turn causes the water in the skin to expand by pulsing the laser beam. That expansion and contraction of the water in the skin can be controlled, creating a steady oscillation that creates sound waves, just like the surface of a speaker does in response to electrical signals. Those sound waves then propagate through the body the same way sound waves from an ultrasound machine one do. But instead of using a microphone to detect how those sound waves bounce off the body's internals, the MIT engineers employed a second laser that serves as a sensitive motion detector. As the sound waves interact with different types of tissue, as they travel into the body, they bounce back with different intensities and frequencies that create vibrations on the surface of the skin that can be detected and measured. Those measurements are then heavily processed through software and algorithms, which produces an image of what lies beneath. If you want to look more into that article, links in the description. This one is crazy because, uh, for one, I don't use, um, as far as a browser goes, I don't use uh, Google Chrome because it's very invasive as far as tracking all your, all of your information. But I do, uh, I mean, I, I, obviously, I, I'm a PC guy, so I use Windows. But now, you know, if you use DuckDuckGo, it gives each website you uh, go to, it gives it a, a, like a grade scale. And it also tells you which other websites or companies are, are tracking you. And the two major ones that track you every time you're on the Internet is Facebook and Google. So I stopped using that, and I started using DuckDuckGo because it blocks all that garbage, and I don't want the you know the ad pop-ups and and then you know every time I get on the internet, then you know it has all these ads of things that I've looked up because they're tracking everything that I'm looking at. I don't want that type of invasiveness. So uh, this article says Facebook is developing an operating system, which I think is insane, and I wouldn't use it. Hopefully, it fails like their uh, cryptocurrency did. Can't even remember the name of that one. Uh, Libra, yeah. Hopefully it'll feel like that, because if they're as invasive as they are online, I will definitely not use them for an operating system on my PC. No way. Not at all. Not going to do it. Talking about stealing a little bit of your information. These people steal all your information. If, you know, Google's not already stealing all your information from your uh, computer, if you're using their browser. It says Facebook has a heavy uh, reliance on other companies' operating systems to allow its social network to function and its hardware to operate, but they, but, uh, but that may not be the case for much longer. Facebook is developing its own operating system from scratch. As a Verge reports, a report compiled by the information has revealed that Mark Zuckerberg's company is currently working on a brand new operating system. Man headed up the project is uh, Mark Lukowski, Lukowski, I guess, uh, who is the author of Microsoft's Windows NT. And the decision to move away from the the reliance on someone else's operating system is due to Facebook's move into hardware. 
Both the Oculus and the Portal devices use a modified version on Android, and it's here where Facebook wants to make the change. Andrew Bosworth, Facebook's head of hardware, explained in a quote, We really want to make sure the next generation has space for us. We don't think we can trust the marketplace or competitors to ensure that's the case, and so we're going to do it ourselves. Last year it was revealed Facebook is designing its own chips. Hardware products are also set to expand, with Noculus and Portal lines being joined by mind-reading device and control virtual reality and augmented reality glasses at some point in the future. With that in mind, you can see why the company wants to control every part of its own platform. The same strategy works out incredibly well for Apple after all. Facebook has been thinking about its own operating system for a long time, and back in 2013 it made its first attempt when the HTC first smartphone shipped. It ran Facebook Home, which was basically software sitting on top of Android to create, quote, Facebook phone. And the fact most people probably don't remember the phone tells you how well the experiment went. But it seems Zuckerberg is ready to have another go. Like I said, I will not be using any uh, Facebook operating systems on my PCs. I don't, I don't, uh, I mean, I use Facebook for, you know, contact with friends and, and family, but I really don't like Facebook. I know their messenger is very invasive. Um, and like I said, if, if you use a, another browser aside from uh, Google Chrome, you'll see that not only Google tracks you, but Facebook tracks everything that you do on their browser. So this article I thought was crazy, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, Xbox came out when they first came out with their cameras. They couldn't uh, they couldn't pick you up if you had dark uh, a dark complexion. Well, now this article came out today. It says even the government admits facial recognition is race, racially biased. Says a new federal study from the National Institute of Standards and Technology confirms again that the facial recognition. Uh, technology is riddled with fundamental bias. Using nearly 200 facial recognition algorithms developed in uh, 99 corporations and 100 million images from federal databases, the algorithm's accuracy was found to very widely was found to vary widely among different racial, ethnic, gender, and age groups. Native Americans, Blacks, and Asians had some of the highest false match rates for mugshots. Blacks and Asians were misidentified as rates ranging from 10 to 100 times more than Caucasians. Women in general had higher false match rates than men, with Native American women misidentified as high as 68 times more than white women. The study makes it clear the government needs to stop using facial recognition software right now. This technology has, a serious, has serious flaws that pose immediate threat to civil liberties, public safety, and basic human rights, said Fight for Future, a privacy rights group. Even if the algorithms improve in the future, biometric surveillance like face, face recognition is dangerous and invasive. Lawmakers everywhere should take action to ban the use of this nuclear-grade surveillance tech. I agree, and I read it before, that... Um, the Department of Homeland Security was trying to roll out the facial recognition software for its own American citizens leaving, you know, coming and going from the airport. And then so many people made a, a fit about it, and, I, and some governors also um, 
had plans to stop it, so they kind of backed off. But I think we're going to get there. And I've also mentioned, you know, you can't go into certain stores. Not, I mean, here where I'm at, I'm in Oklahoma. We don't really have this stuff yet. Um, but I know in the Pacific Northwest and the East Coast, some places you can't even go into the store without first getting a face scan to see whether you haven't been trespassed from the property for thief, you know, for being a thief or whatever it may be. Um, it's it's definitely coming. It's part of the end game. You know, um, it's part of the control, uh, the way they're going to control the population. And so they're going to, for some reason, want to know what we're doing every five minutes of our life, whether it be through a listening device in our homes, the cameras in our cell phones, the cameras in our laptops, our streaming cameras, um, you know, the pinging off the cell phone towers, pinging off the Wi-Fi routers throughout the neighborhood, uh, tracking us and everything we do. For some reason, they're so afraid that they feel the need they've got to be so invasive as to track every thing we do from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. They want to know everything we're doing. I've read articles where they want to put drones in the air that run on artificial intelligence where they basically will go in and if they if the artificial intelligence feels like or, or thinks by your mannerisms that you are about to uh, commit a crime or you've left a bag setting for too long or you're acting kind of, you know, out of out of regular character, um, then it will predict crime. So it's predictive crime, like Minority Report, and then they will inform the police department or whoever to come and check out check out what's going on. Uh, the facial recognition software inside the Ring doorbells uh, that have been hacked. Um, they're wanting to put that in there. Then we find out that they have contracts with local police departments where they where. Uh, Police basically can have a back door to your doorbells, and they can watch who's coming and going from your house. They want to put the facial recognition software in it, so um, it'll just scan your face, and if someone has warrants for their arrest, then the technology is going to be narking on people. So this is the technocratic dystopia we've all welcomed in because none of us have, you know, we pretty much bought it as convenience for us, and now um, that's how they get it in your hand and get it in your house and get it everywhere that they can, and then all of a sudden... They hack into these systems and take complete control over them, and um, we're controlled by our own purchases and and our you know the things that we were told were convenient. I think it's ridiculous, um, but it's, it's where we're at. So I mean, what are we, what are you going to do about it? It says for years, facial recognition has been a part of the drive to integrate artificial intelligence systems into everything from public housing to healthcare. And despite constant warnings about inherent bias against black and brown people and subsequent abuse by corporations, police departments, federal agencies, and everything in between, all in the name of, quote, improving the technology instead of simply banning it. According to facial recognition researchers, the U.S. government, along with researchers and corporations, regularly and non-consensually use the images of immigrants, abused children, and dead people to test their facial recognition programs. In October, contractors working for Google were caught training its facial recognition systems using dubious tactics that targeted, quote, dark-skinned people, including deceiving homeless people into letting their face faces be scanned and then lying to them about it. Um, yeah, they do that to them, and they also uh, 
kidnap them in Florida and tell them that they're, they're going to give them a, a trespassing charge and make them sit in jail for 30 to 60 days and tell them that they're going to sit there until they either take the chip or they're getting a charge for trespassing. And some of them are disappearing. Uh, they're also doing it in Austin, Texas. They're doing it in California. They're doing it all over the place. Um, the homeless people, unfortunately, are the guinea pigs. And it kind of upsets me because, like I've mentioned before, um, I did ministry, homeless ministry, for a very long time since I was a youth. And now they're just going to go out and take advantage of these less unfortunate people. It says, even government scientists are now confirming that this surveillance technology is flawed and biased. And one false mask can lead to missed flights, lengthy interrogations, watch list placements, tense police encounters, false arrests, or worse. But the technology flaws are only one concern. ACLU senior policy analyst Jay Stanley told Motherboard, Face recognition technology, accurate or not, can be enable or can enable undetectable, persistent, and su- suspicionless surveillance on an unprecedented unpre- scale. Government agencies, including the FBI, the CBP, the local law enforcement, must immediately halt the deployment of this dystopian technology. But they won't because they want us in in a uh, technocratic dystopia ran by um, praised loons at the top of the pyramid, the one percenters. says Boeing's Starliner fails first attempt to reach space station. The spacecraft Boeing built to fly astronauts to the International Space Station just failed its first mission. The uncrewed Starliner launch Friday morning appeared to go flawlessly, but about 30 minutes after liftoff, Boeing and NASA reported that the craft had missed its intended orbit, and they're now saying automation is to blame. Soon after the failed mission, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine tweeted that Starliner had experienced a quote, mission elapsed time anomaly. The anomaly resulted in the vehicle uh, believing the same time was different than it actually was, he said during a news conference. And because that timing was a little bit off, what ended up happening is the spacecraft tried to maintain a very precise control that it normally wouldn't have tried to maintain and it burned out a lot of propellant. At this time, we do not expect the Starliner to dock at the International Space Station on its flight, Boeing wrote in a statement. Bridenstine noted during the conference that the situation could have been quickly remedied had NASA astronauts Mike Fink and Nicole Mann, who were assigned to the first crewed Starliner mission, been on board at the time. This anomaly had, had to do with automation, and Nicole and Mike are trained specifically to deal with this with the situation that happened today, where the automation was not working according to the plan, he said. Had, it been in, had they been in there, we very well may be docking with the International Space Station tomorrow. He added he is not ruling out the possibility that the very next Starliner flight might include a crew. As the current mission, though, Starliner is is in a, quote, safe and stable orbit around Earth, and Boeing and NASA are focused on identifying any test the spacecraft could undertake before its planned landing in the New Mexico desert, which could happen as soon as Sunday.
So we have this, uh, it says meteor outburst predicted for this week, or for this weekend, when and where to see it. It says just in time for the holidays, sky watchers in the northern hemisphere may get a celestial gift this week in the form of a flurry of shooting stars. The annual Yersid meteor shower is set to peak on the evening of December the 22nd into pre-dawn hours of December 23rd. Normally this shower is more of a track of, of a trickle with rates of about 10 to 15 shooting stars an hour on average. But the meteor experts this year are predicting that the Urids may produce a rare outburst of activity that could ramp up to a double or even triple the usual rate. The Urids are named after the constellation Ursa Minor and the Little Bear, which marks the region of the sky from which meteors will appear to radiate. Specifically, the shooting stars will seem to come from just to the left of the bowl of the Big Dipper, uh, the popular asterism that makes up the part of, the, of Ursa Minor. During the peak, the Dipper will hang low in the northern sky for a mid-latitude observers. If you want to read more about that, the link's in the description. It says, stinky poisonous molecule may indicate extraterrestrial. Uh, odiferous, underarms, moldy, cheesy feed, rancid, uh, roadkill, and um, acrid eggs. There are a lot of stank out there, and generally we want nothing to do with it. Entire industries have been built combating na nature's natural decay. We buy perfume, cologne, and to the delight of adolescents everywhere, Axe Body Spray. So this says, uh, why in the tarnation would we seek out something so vile and hold it in high regard? Well, the fine folks at MIT have recently found that uh, phosphine is also produced by uh, anaer anaerobic organisms like bacteria and microbes, which don't require oxygen to thrive. Moreover, they found that phosphine uh, could, quote, or uh, cannot be produced in any other way except by these extreme oxygen-averse organisms making phosphine a pure biosignature, a sign of life, at least of certain kind. So the stinky molecule could hold the key to showing us we're not alone. The article notes that phosphine were produced in quantities similar to the amount of methane we have on Earth. We'd be able to detect, we'd be able to detect it in the planet's atmosphere from about up to 16 light years away, especially on a rocky planet similar to our own, it would be a dead giveaway. Phosphine isn't the only biomarker scientists are looking for. There's a list of over 16,000 potential candidates for signaling extraterrestrial life. But thanks to the, its discovery and anaero, anaero, uh, anaerobic life, it's one of the most reliable. Next time you're wandering distant galaxies and stumble upon something truly foul, don't hose it down with axe. Call MIT and let them know you found a potential biomarker. So I'm not going to read this because this is old, and I've I've read this uh, or I've read this article, pers article personally before. But it uh, it's an article about Navy pilots describe bizarre Tic Tac UFO encounter he filmed. Um, you want to check it out uh, the link will be down in the description and this was also interesting because I've, I've heard about these real men in black before but it says uh, 
The Pentagon's real men in black investigated Tom DeLonge UFO videos. If you don't know who Tom DeLonge is, he was the singer of Blink-182. It says, since reports first surfaced in 2017 that the U.S. Navy had been encountering UFOs, the Air Force has been remarkably quiet when it comes to mysterious objects that may be flying around the skies. Given the Air Force is America's principal aerial and space warfare branch, and in the 1950s and 60s it conducted the only official investigation into UFOs with Project Blue Book, many UFO, uh, ufologists have found the Air Force's recent aversions to discussing the topic to be particularly odd, especially when considering that the Navy has been rather vocal on the issue. Yet after months of uh, defeating silence, in an official statement, the Pentagon suddenly throw the Air Force into the mix with recent UFO reports. More excitingly, it's also mentioned one of the most notorious agencies in all, in all UFO lore. So I kind of known about this too, and this is a rather long article, but if you guys want to read this, the link's in the description. Uh, you go check it out there. This says the global leader showing no signs of wanting to stop Brexit. And as you know, um, today I think it's scheduled for January the 13th will be the Brexit uh, from the EU. And this article basically goes into, and I've, I showed this yesterday's stream uh, about the Bilderberg Group. And um, one of the uh, bullet points for the Bilderberg uh, discussions in May this year was Brexit. So obviously they want it to happen. And this article goes into all that, and it's rather long, but you can you can read all this article. Basically, just talks about uh, Brexit's happening, regardless of what people, if people wanted to or not. And here's the article it says British lawmakers approve Boris Johnson's Brexit plan, UK to leave EU by oh it's January thirty first. Sorry. I got, I got dyslexic on that and thought it was the 13th. And the final act. It's a rather long article. It's by uh, Tyler Durden from Zero Hedge. It says, In the processing, the flow of information about the goings-on in the U.S. is impossible to get rid of a most unsettling sense of unreality of a population trapped in dark cave filled with little glowing screens all displaying different images, yet all broadcasting essentially the same message. That message is that everything is fine, same as ever, and can go on and on. But whatever, but whatever it is that's going on can't go on forever, and therefore it won't. More specifically, a certain coal mine canary has recently died, and I want to tell you about it. It's easy to see why... Why that particular message is stuck on replay, even as the situation changes irrevocably. As of 2019, 90% of the media in the United States is controlled by four media conglomerates: Comcast via NBCU, uh, NBC Universal, Disney, Viacom CBS, controlled by National Amusements, and AT&T via Warner Media. Together, they have formed a corporate media monoculture designed most effectively maximize shareholder value. As he wrote in Reinventing Collapse in 2018, or 2008, in a consumer society, anything that puts people 
off their shopping is dangerously disruptive, and all consumers sense this. Any expression of, tr- of the truth about our lack of prospects or continued existence as a highly developed, prosperous, industrial society is disruptive to the consumerist collective unconsciousness. Uh, there is a herd of instinct to reject it, and therefore it fails, not through any overt action, but by failing to turn a profit because it's unpopular. Two years earlier, in a, in a slideshow optimistically titled, quote, Closing the Collapse Gap between the USSR and the USA, he wrote, It seems that there is, an, is a fair chance that the U.S. economy will collapse sometime within the foreseeable future. It would also seem that we won't be particularly well prepared for it. As things stand, the U.S. economy is poised to perform something like a disappearing act. How it, um, na- and now, 12 years later, I believe I'm finally watching that. what amounts to preparations for that act's final rehearsal. The ballet troupe is doing stretching, exor- is doing stretching exercises and the fat lady is singing Abrages to warm up. Replay Loop continues to play, keeping the populace convinced that the future will resemble the past, except perhaps it will have more wind generators, solar panels, and electric cars. The populace continues to be persuaded to go out and shop, or more frequently now order online, things it doesn't need to be paid for by money it doesn't have, i.e. credit. Of course, there have been changes. The populace in the U.S. has been doing progressively worse. Drug addiction and suicide rates have skyrocketed, while rates of childbirth have plummeted. Purchase of a home is now out of reach for the vast majority of young couples. Artificially rosy unemployment statistics hide the 100 million or so people who are considered, quote, not in, in labor force because they lost their job some time ago and haven't been able to find another one. Uniquely among developed nations, life expectancy among white males, historically the most economically active and prosperous part of the population, has been dropping. These are all negatives, but neither any one of them nor any combination of them adds up to anything that could cause the U.S. economy to go under a spontaneous existence failure. Nevertheless, it is possible to build a convincing case that Rome is, to put it figuratively, burning. To continue with the metaphor, evidence. Continue with the metaphor, evidence that there is some fiddling going on is particularly compelling. Overall, there is a steady backing away from addressing the substance of any problem, and a concerted effort to maintain appearances at all costs. Take the trade war with China, which has been going on since early 2018. Trump has recently declared a major victory in it, but upon examination, signs of victory are impossible to discern. In 2017, the U.S. ran a $750 billion trade deficit with China on $3.3 trillion of trade, and in 2018, it has jumped to $930 billion on $3.8 trillion of trade. China has found ways to parry each of Trump's thrusts by imposing counter-tariffs, and after two years of this sort of World War I-style trench warfare, in which the U.S. has been slowly losing ground, it became clear that the U.S. doesn't have any means to put pressure on China. And so Trump suddenly declares victory, not a full victory, uh, that will have to wait until after Trump is re-elected for a second term, but a victory nonetheless. 
because the Chinese have supposedly agreed to buy an extra $200 billion worth of U.S. exports, $50 billion of them of agricultural exports from states that voted for Trump in 2016. But Trump is lying to his supporters. Over the past two years, the Chinese have imported roughly $24 billion of agricultural commodities from the U.S., and source close to trade talks have said the Chinese have agreed to increase these imports by just $16 billion, putting the total $10 billion short of the $50 billion mark. Even then, the U.S. agricultural sector would have to rapidly scale up production by a factor of 1.6, and this is not at all likely, especially because there's been a 24% uptick in uh, farmers filing for bankruptcy because of all the drought, all, and then we had floodings that happened here in Oklahoma, all through the Midwest, um, so we'll see what happens with that. As the farmers will discover this after they vote to re-elect Trump, but that's not Trump's problem, nor was it Trump's problem when, the, in, the, when in 2017 the Chinese promised to buy $120 billion of U.S. liquefied natural gas exports, and then the U.S. wasn't able to provide anywhere near that volume. And now that Russia's power of Siberian pipeline is operational and ramping up volumes, while U.S. fracking companies are going bankrupt left and right, the question has become largely moot. The ag promise is, to just, is just a replay of the LNG promise at a smaller scale. Appearances are all that matter. Appearances are what Trump delivers every time. And if his voters want to believe, who's to stop them? Even though it's clearly heading towards a defeat for the U.S. as a whole, the trade war with China is definitely a huge positive for Trump. All he has to do to win personally is periodically to deliver promises that others won't keep, but that's not his problem. Another net benefit for Trump is the never-ending impeachment saga. It has kept him in the media limelight and has allowed him to pretend that he is prevailing heroically against great odds while making his opposition look ridiculous in the eyes of his supporters. After the quote Russian meddling fable, fable unraveled, an even more uh, preposterous rationale of impe for impeachment has taken its place, an attempt to impeach Trump for refusing to cooperate with congressional investigation in the process of failing is in the process of failing since anyone with more intelligence than a bucket of California penis fish should know that it's up to the courts, not the legislature, to resolve disputes between the legislative and the executive. All that remains now is an alleged abuse of power by Trump. Apparently, it's a no-no for U.S. presidents to ask foreign leaders to investigate U.S. presidential candidates for a variety of crimes such as corruption, bribery, and money laundering. This may all seem quite ridiculous, but it serves a purpose. It allows Trump to clean up a free publicity and to continue fiddling, in this case tweeting, as Rome Burns. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't necessarily agree with everything in this article. I do agree with some parts of this article. I, I do know that the president under the Ukraine treaty that was signed in 1997 under Bill Clinton, that he has the right with um, his agreement with our country's agreement with the Ukraine that if if we're having issues with people in our government or whoever doing um, activities that they're not supposed to be involved in, he can ask about those things. We have a treaty with him that allows him to do so. But we also have the other candidate in which he was asking about 
um, that did things that he wasn't supposed to, and it was publicized. He bragged about it on film. So all of this stuff, and I don't like getting into politics, but all of this stuff is like, it's back and forth. They do something, and then they blame him for doing the exact same thing that they just did, but they were caught on tape doing it. And then he makes a phone call and asks about something that he's allowed to do under the treaty we have with the Ukraine that was signed by a Democratic president in 1997. If you don't believe me, you can look it up. He does that, and then everyone points the finger at him like he's doing something he isn't supposed to be doing. He was well within his boundaries when he made the phone call. And regardless whether or not he's a presidential candidate, just because their president doesn't put them above the law, um, either everyone is subjected to it or nobody should be subjected to the law. It's for all or for none. He goes on to say, but uh, what has set fire what has set fire under Rome is not the um, deprecating state of the U.S. society or the permanent and permanently worsening trade imbalance with China or the never-ending impeachment farce. It is the uh, unicep failure of the U.S. dollar. For those who have been paying careful attention, the surreal nature of the proceedings and the fact that the results no longer matter, only appearances do, have become perfectly obvious. But they are a tiny minority. Uh, what allowed the politicians and the media to exploit the general's public uh, innate nor normalcy bias uh, to keep the media replay loop going without too many people catching on to what's really happening was, note the past tense, the ability of the U.S. government, with the assistance of the Federal Reserve, which is a government-linked but essentially private entity, to paper over the gaping chasm in the nation's finances by issuing debt in the form of U.S. Treasury paper. U.S. Treasury has been able to exploit its, quote, exorbitant privilege to issue internationally recognized and traded debt instruments uh, denominated in its own currency, the U.S. dollar which has been the world's main reserve currency for many decades. Reserve currency status has conveyed a certain aura of security and reliability. Paper money is, after all, pretty much just a confidence game and has supported the world's largest and most liquid financial market. Anybody anywhere could put up, uh, could put, could put up U.S. Treasury paper as collateral for a loan and get a low interest rate because... That paper was considered a good, as good as, quote, real money, whatever that means. And then the scheme suddenly broke. It's difficult to say what caused the confidence game to fail. It could be just inexorable and ever-accelerating increase in the U.S. government debt. It could be the blatant decoupling between the growth rate of the U.S. economy and the rate increase of its indebt indebtedness. And it could also be the fact that much of the world is making a concerted effort to walk away from the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency and a means of exchange in international trade. Um, it says here in parentheses, Russia sold off almost all of its U.S. debt. China's hoard is much larger, but is also gradually selling it off. It is unclear what was the ultimate cause, but what is clear is that in August 2019, something finally snapped, and the USTs went from, quote, good as real money to, quote, stuff nobody wants to hold. As you wrote about in September, when it became clear that the real trouble was brewing in the market for U.S. debt, now three months later, the situation has gone from bad to worse. 
and it would appear that the market for USTs definitely broke. I would try to sketch out what, what that means for the US economy and society later on, but for now I just want to lay out some of what has happened. In the meantime, please take your normalcy bias and put, in, put it in some place safe in case you need it later, although I have no idea for what. So this is a very, very, very long article, but it's warning, uh, it's warning more or less about, um, the impending financial situation that's coming into the United States and whether people want to believe it or not, um, a good source to look up repo rates is through Glenn Beck. He talks about, uh, the situation going on with the repo rates and the banks bailing each other out. But inevitably, um, I I believe that we're going to be headed towards um, something that is unexpected to the majority of the population, and it's going to come out of nowhere. That's what I think is going to happen. I may not be, um, you know, I may be wrong, but I think it will happen. Eventually, I think uh, we're, pro we're possibly headed for something, and that's what I wanted to read. Um, you know, is this the final act of the elites? Will it be them that um, completely crush the dollar by the inflating of the stock market that's happening lately, by the repo rates that have been happening, by all the stuff that nobody is paying attention to, by all the debt sell-offs, by all the um, precious metals being hoarded and, and the precious metal rate changes and price price changes that's been going on. It All these things... Um, are out there if you just look it up. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off uh, for tonight. That's pretty much all I have. And like I said, this, like I always say, this is a live uh, podcast. If you ever want to call in the number scrolling at the bottom of the screen, uh, it's the one four zero eight six three eight zero nine six eight, and the meeting ID is 534-233-4758. And if you ever want to send articles, it's kingsmanreport2019 at gmail.com. And um, all the links to all the articles are in the description below. And if you want to get this on podcast, I'll put that link in the description after I edit it and upload it. And all the links to all the socials are in the About section of my uh, YouTube channel. So until next time, uh, you guys take care of one another, check on one another, love one another, and lift each other up. Um, Y'all bless and shalom.